0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Blaze Experience once again. I am your host Derek as always and you are joining us for episode 91 today. And episode 91 today is going to be patch 10.0 in State of Decay 2. So this patch had an awesome new update called the Bounty Broker which we're going to talk more about that in detail in a future episode. Uh, We'll mention it a little bit today but um, most of that is going to be mentioned in a future episode in detail. But real quick our next podcast is going to be next Saturday which will be about the Bounty Broker. Our next stream is going to be Sunday, 12 to 4. We're going to do the Tiny Tina DLC in Borderlands 2. And then Monday is going to be Fallout 3. And Tuesday is going to be State of Decay 2, where we're going to uh, play a lot of this Bounty update. I've done a little bit of it so far, but we're going to finish it off on uh, Sunday or Tuesday, say. But without further ado, we have an awesome guest here today. Please welcome back to the podcast for who knows how many times at this point I have to count. <laughs> <laughs> but um, please welcome back Jeffrey Carr from Mondead Labs. How are you, Jeffrey?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming back. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, I, we uh, we went over the uh, you know some of the items on the patch notes uh, during the stream, but we had to skip a lot because you know we were kind of time constrained. So I'm glad to get an opportunity to go through it with more deal, detail and get some of you, some of your feedback on on what we've done.
0: Yeah, a lot of these notes are really cool too, and you know some of them, like you said, weren't uh, able to be covered. So this will be a good chance for people to uh, get the rest of the notes. But um, you know, obviously, the big thing is the bounty broker. Um, so this introduces a brand new mechanism for earning gear, a brand new weapon pack, and other major improvements. So, uh, we can kind of go over some of those major improvements to start. So, uh, starting with the large reductions to load times Since the size of the game on the hard drive.
1: Oh, yeah. So, so do you want to go over these top level things? Because each of them gets mentioned lower down on the list, uh, in, in more we detail. We can do it
0: lower in the list if you want. Yeah, that works.
1: Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's save it just because I think there's, there's more details that I can read off, uh, when, when, when we're going down to the bottom of the patch notes. All
0: right, that works. So yeah, I'll, I'll just mention quickly on the bounty broker then, basically, uh, the short gist of what it is, it's a new person named Cash Bonelot, who is a trader that you can visit, and you can uh, talk to him about bounties, and these bounties are little things you can do to get new weapons, so for example, one of the bounties is to run over 50 zombies with a car, and if you do that, you get a police um, CQC knife, so there's different bounties like that you can do to get different weapons.
1: Yeah, the idea behind this was, you know, we released uh, a little while ago, we released the World War Two weapons pack. And we were excited about it, because there were a lot of players out there who were history enthusiasts, and they really wanted to, you know, get their hands on some of these weapons. And also, you know, a lot of the, the artists who work on our weapons, they're also enthusiasts about these kinds of things. And they were excited to get it out there. But both we and the audience were kind of disappointed that, that we can add a bunch of guns to our game, but because there are so many guns already and because uh, all of the loot is randomly generated, it was actually really hard for people to get their hands on the weapons that they wanted. Uh, we, we even provided a trader, but the traders are also randomly generated. Uh, and so it, some people were just never getting the weapons that, that they were looking for. And so we were working already on our next uh, sort of drop of weapons, and we wanted to figure out, is there a better way... You know, when we release new content like this, is there a better way for us to get it into the hands of players? And so that's how we, we started brainstorming and that's how we came up with, with Cash and his, and his van down by the river is, uh, you know, we wanted to give players, you know, when a new weapon pack drops or, or any other kind of like, you know, uh, rewards that the player can get, we wanted to have a place to stick them where the player know exact, knows exactly where to go and, and can figure out exactly how to get them. But just handing them to the player for free also felt like a bit of a cheat. Like, you know, you're playing this game that's supposed to be about, you know, scarcity and survival, and then every month or so, uh, or, you know, two months, three months, whatever the, the cadence ends up being, uh, you know, you suddenly get this this embarrassment of riches just dropped into your lap. Uh, things like the wizard van, you know, which is which is pretty easy to get and gave people to sort of free access to a van whenever they wanted it. That also felt out of spirit with the game. And so the specific way that, that, that the bounty broker works, it kind of comes from the need to make uh, a coherent place where players can always go to get weapons and also having there be some kind of challenge, some kind of gameplay involved in getting them so it's not just a big cornucopia of of free stuff that that sort of undermines the survival aspect of the game.
0: Yeah, and I really appreciate that too, and honestly, that's what I'm most excited about in this whole patch slash update is the fact that this mechanism is now there because I love the new weapons, don't get me wrong, but I'm more excited about the possibilities that could come later in the future with this new mechanism because now that this mechanism is in the game, there could be so many different possibilities. I mean, I know you obviously can't talk about any possibilities, but, like, for example, um, you know, we could have, like, a new car that could be delivered through this mechanism or something like that. And that'd be kind of cool, like, you know, do, like, yeah. a new bounty to get a new car or something like that.
1: Yeah, we, we've talked about stuff like that, too, yeah. For 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 now, the easiest thing for us to deliver is weapons, but as this thing progresses, we hope that we can branch out and, and have it d- deliver all kinds of different things.
0: Yeah, so that'd be really cool. You know, maybe the uh, Wizard van can come back one day, uh, you know, holiday, like, all right, here's your holiday <laughs> Wizard Band actually.
1: <back,"> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ideally, yeah.
0: But yeah, the new weapons are really really cool. Um just real quick I'll touch on them, mm-hmm. but like I said we're going to um touch on them more in a future episode, but uh there's a police sniper rifle, there's an RC9 police carbine, there's a police M5 M590A1, uh the SWAT 416, which I've heard uh, from some people is a really great weapon so far. I haven't unlocked this one yet, but I definitely want to. Uh the UMP SMG, the that MP5 SE yeah, that one I really want to get to. I've yeah. only unlocked like three of them so far just because I've been so busy this week, but um I definitely am going to unlock the rest of them on Tuesday, so. Uh, we have two pistols, the G34 and the G26. And then we have a revolver, the backup boss. And we have four new melee weapons. We have a bladed high angle rescue hatchet, which I've heard from some community members is a really great one. And then we have some uh, riot-style clubs. We have the Military Riot Club, the Police Riot Club, and the Metal Nightstick. And the last two are two close combat weapons, the police knife and the rescue knife. So I have both of the knives so far, and I think I have one of the uh, weapons so far.
1: Well, I'm relieved uh, to find out that it w- I wasn't actually sure when we released this how long it was going to take uh, our most committed players to get through all of the bounties and be hungry for more. The fact that you haven't already gotten every single one of these is a
0: relief <laughs> to me, and I feel like, okay, good. we
1: provided you with just enough gameplay <laughs> right. that you might have to have multiple sessions to get everything
0: yeah i I think that's a little bit based on my schedule though i I just had a really uh busy week but you know normally i think i might have already had them all but (laughs) i'm looking forward to getting them all though basically on tuesday i'm looking to get the um last like 13 that i need on tuesday or something so
1: i'm looking forward to hearing your uh your reaction to them when you podcast about it later on
0: yeah I, i plan to do it next week so it should be a lot of fun but that's basically what we have for that. And, uh, I just want to mention too that we mentioned the World War II weapons. You can actually get those from cash as well. You basically just pay influence to get them. So the, um, the critical response weapons, you do the bounty first. Once you do the bounty, you get a free version of it, like a, a one time free. And then you have, you can pay influence to get extra copies of it. And the World War II weapons, you pay influence right from the start with them.
1: Yeah, and the influence costs on these weapons are, are significantly higher than they are from normal traders, and that's an intentional uh, trade-off. We because uh, you know most traders, uh, their their uh, inventory is rotating, and the trader isn't there all the time, and so you know it's it's sort of a a brief opportunity to to go and, and and check out a particular trader and buy things from them because Cash is there all the time, and he's very reliable, and 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 you you can't miss him. Uh because of that, we wanted to make sure that the weapons were more expensive coming from him because what you're paying for is the reliability and the availability of them.
0: Absolutely, yeah, because I think there's only one World War Two weapon I didn't have, so which is uh the barrel style bar, which, you know, fortunately for me it cost the most, but <laughs> it was like full <laughs> fifty <so>. <laughs> But I paid gun. for it though. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I like that one. I like the Gangland Strat a lot too. That, that's one of my favorites as well. Yeah. But um, that's basically all we'll say about the bounty update uh, civically today. So um, we'll move on to some technical changes now if you want to uh, get into those.
1: Yeah, so uh, both of these are, tech- are, are community requests. Basically, every time uh, we've issued an update, uh, we've heard a lot uh, of feedback from fans saying that... Uh, that, that the update takes it takes up a lot of space in your hard drive. Uh, and that the the, the uh, I mean, sorry, that the game takes up a lot of space in your hard drive. And the update is also a really big update that takes a lot of uh, you have to spend a lot of time downloading it for people with you know limits on their internet access. Uh, it can be kind of a kind of a trial uh, uh, to get it in there. So we wanted to make some changes. Uh, so we so on the technical side, we've uh, improved load times across the board, first of all, so that it takes a lot less time to get into the game at the outset and to change maps once you're already inside the game. And then uh, at the same time, we've significantly reduced how big the game is on the hard drive. So when you get this update, you download kind of a big update. It lands on your hard drive, and then the game is smaller than it was before. And then in the future, because the game got a lot smaller, the future updates, the ones after the Bounty Broker update, are going to be much smaller than, uh, than the previous ones, too. So hopefully the, the game, you know, in downloading updates to the game and having the game installed on your hard drive is going to be a lot less onerous now uh, than it has been in the past.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, too, because I know um, my Internet's not the worst Internet, but I have, like, some friends that, you know, have worse Internet than I do, and they're always saying how it takes them, like, all day to get the update done. So Yeah, we're hoping
1: that'll be a little better.
0: Yeah, so that's awesome then.
1: But not this particular update. This particular update is still large because that's yes. what it takes to update a <laughs> right. large game that's sitting there on your hard drive that hasn't been reduced yet.
0: No, yeah, makes sense. So, uh, in the load times, that's a great thing too. You know, I, I play at Xbox exclusively, so, uh, that's something that definitely helps the player like yeah. me too.
1: It had the biggest impact on the Xbox, uh, on the Xbox, and, uh, and it's nice, too, just because, I mean, even though this is an open-world game, which means once you get into it, there aren't a lot of loading screens. That initial load was long enough that that, that we were glad to be able to, to improve it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I know when I fired it up, you know, it always took, like, a really long time to fire up. And I haven't really um, played enough this week to really test the difference yet. But um, it does seem a little fast loading up initially, so okay. I'll have to test a little bit more. But then we have some gameplay changes, and this is an interesting one. That um, Basically, the direction of our camera changed where uh, I interact with objects.
1: Uh, yeah, so so the way that it work, used to work was uh, when when the game is deciding which interactive object, like say if you've got a car door and an object on the ground and a person to talk to all near each other, uh, the game would use the facing of your character to determine which one was the one that you would interact with if you pushed the Y button. Uh, but... Or, 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 you know, which, whichever button it is on, the, on the, is, is it the, is it the E button, F button, whatever it is, uh, on the keyboard. The problem was uh, that it's kind of hard. You don't have a lot of precision control over your character. You know, you can, you can move the stick in different directions. But when you're moving tiny little amounts, uh, you can o- it's really easy to overcorrect and be imprecise. And with uh, using WASI on the keyboard, it's even harder uh, to have a lot of fine control. And so it, players were getting into some frustrating moments where they were they were adjusting and readjusting their character again and again to try to get them into the right position to interact with something you know confusing on the ground. Uh, and so we decided to to make this better and I was actually very reticent about this at first. uh this came from peter lim who is uh, who's our moment to moment uh gameplay designer uh he you know he was a big advocate of this and and as were several other people on the team uh, but I was hesitating because changing something in a game that's already been out for a year can be very, very scary uh but as I actually saw it in action. Uh, it, it won me over, and it, it clearly was an improvement. Like, when you are struggling to figure out which of several items you're gonna, you're going to interact with, uh, um, using your camera to point at the one you want is so much of a better way to do it than using the, the facing of, of, of your character that, that I was won over. But, just in case, uh, somebody out there really, really likes it the old way, we have left the old way in place. If you go to the settings menu, um, under gameplay, you can switch it back to the old way if, if that's, if that's what you prefer.
0: Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that you left it that way, too, because you know there's going to be someone out there in the community that really wants it the old way. So it, it's definitely nice to have that toggle feature. And I'm kind of curious, actually, was it uh, hard to make that toggle feature available?
1: Uh, Not particularly. I think that um, uh, Peter actually spent some time learning how our settings menu work so that he could just do it himself but without having to uh, uh, sideline uh, one of our coders to do it. Uh, that That's actually one of the problems a lot of the time, like when you're trying to implement something that involves multiple disciplines who are all kind of on their own schedules doing their own thing, trying to make a feature happen that involves a lot of collaboration can take a lot of extra time and, and, and sort of um, bureaucratic overhead trying to get everybody on the same page. That's one of the things that, that actually um, delayed uh, the return of the, of the military uniforms, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, And so in this particular case, though, Peter has been actually, he's been working really hard to sort of expand his skill set and learn how to, to, you know, do different kinds of implementation, including writing code. And so he actually uh, cracked open the settings menu. He figured out how to do it himself, which went way way faster than trying to coordinate multiple people with different skill sets to all collaborate to make it happen.
0: No, that makes sense. And I'm definitely thankful that it's there. You know, um. So far, I barely got to try it out. I did uh, a little bit of gameplay last night when we did um, one of our Undead Trials exhibition matches, and I faced uh, Jawa and Coconut Kid. But, um, yeah, it seemed clunky uh, still in that match, but I think that's because I haven't had enough time to practice it yet. It's also not, I mean,
1: it doesn't 100% solve all of the problems, but when when things are close together, it's still going to be difficult to tell the difference between them. And we would love to continue refining it, too, if people have feedback for us.
0: Well, because in uh, our case for the zombie runner game, you use a Norma, and the Norma obviously the gas tank is up by the door, so like, <laughs> so it's sometimes you get in the pretty, door yeah. instead. Yeah,
1: the gas tanks by doors are particularly difficult ones to get right. But if, yeah. if more if multiple people are having trouble with that, I mean, that probably is something we can look into, seeing if there's a better way to sort of set up the cars themselves so that it's easier to differentiate.
0: Yeah, but I'll also say too that I mean we weren't in the game too long, so like I didn't have a ton of time to practice with it. So, um, you know I've obviously been playing the old way for years. So I-, I think it's gonna take some time to get used to at least. Yeah,
1: a lot of the t- the cases we tested it with too were like lots of having lots of items dropped on the ground or an item next to a person or a or a searchable uh, container next to a person, and a lot of those uh th- those have gotten a lot better than they were before.
0: Awesome, that's good to hear though. But we had another gameplay change, which is uh, very interesting, which has more key binding options now for both keyboard and for uh, Xbox controller.
1: Yeah, I feel like we haven't fully solved this one yet, but this is sort of step one. on kind of a we're kind of taking a journey right now with with figuring, it, looking at our control scheme, and figuring out if there are ways we can improve it to make uh, to kind of to empower players to. Uh, be able to more easily and intuitively get at the actions that they want. So this is one case where dodge and stealth, you know, because we have so few buttons available on the controller, uh, we always we combine them into a single button. Where you know if you if you tap it, you dodge, but if you hold it down, you dodge into a stealth position, uh, which is unusual. There aren't a lot of other games that do that exact thing, uh, so it's kind of tough for new players to learn. Um, and so we're kind of experimenting with the idea of splitting them up. Now, if you look at, the, at your controller and all the things that it does, uh, there really aren't a lot of great options for trying to move things around. I mean, it's a very, very full controller with this game. Uh, so we made a couple of, rec- of early recommendations for what people might want to try. Like, if you want to experiment with this, you can. Basically, instead of—we've uh, kept the original uh, uh control. That, that allows you to both stealth and dodge using the same button. But we've added two additional ones, and we haven't bound them to any keys by ourselves. We're leaving that up to you guys. But if you want to experiment with the idea of, of putting dodge and stealth on different buttons, you can go into the key bindings and you can try it out. But we've got a couple of recommendations we listed on the patch notes. That's what we think works the best right now, but we're also looking deeper into seeing if there are other changes we can make that make it easier to sort of move a few things around on the, on the controller and, and and make things more accessible.
0: Yeah, and uh, like the Xbox 100% recommended was um, using B for dodge and clicking the right stick for stealth, but it does say in there that you would have to give up your um, functionality for scope weapons, basically. Yeah,
1: it, it's kind of interesting to me, the idea of, of... I love the idea of players getting into this and trying to move the buttons around and letting them see the struggle that we have, <laughs> trying to figure out what button you can give up in order to right. add new functionality. Um, another option we thought of is, is moving... Um, Putting uh, stealth on the left stick, clicking the left stick. That's where the flashlight is right now, and then maybe you can move the flashlight to where the to the uh, up on the D-pad, where the radio menu is right now, because you can technically get to the radio menu by hitting down on the D-pad, and I think it's right bumper, Uh, and so yep, down right bumper. So that might actually be a better way, but it's more circuitous and it's a little bit harder to uh, describe in patch notes. And there's probably other ideas out there that maybe some players are going to discover. So this is one thing where this isn't like, you know, we've imposed a change on everyone. Instead, this is like we've opened up some options, and we'd love to get you guys' feedback on, <laughs> on you know, what works and what doesn't.
0: And I think that's a good way to do it, too, because for every player, it's probably going to be different what they use less, you know, because, I mean, maybe there's a player out there that barely uses the, um, you know, zooming on the weapons because they don't use, like, a lot of zoom guns, for example. So okay. it, it really a- depends on the player.
1: As we keep experimenting with this stuff too, eventually, if we do land on a new control scheme, a new arrangement of buttons that, uh, that works really, really well for, especially for new players, we might make it the new default while still letting players who've been playing the game for a long time keep the old method if they wanted to. But that's, that's far future. Who knows, uh, when or if we, we, we could get to that point. Really, what that depends on is, is us finding, uh, you know, uh, improvements to the control scheme that we really believe are 100% better than, uh, than what we've got already.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully I can uh, help test that out. Maybe I'll f- figure out some ideas there. <laughs> so.
1: Cool. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> uh, so the next, next gameplay change that we worked on was, uh, you know, a lot of players, we've seen this happening in a lot of people's streams and when we play it ourselves, uh, there are a lot of cases you can get into, situations you can get your character into where they can't use their consumables. Like if you're in the middle of a dodge or you're running certain ways or you're recovering from certain actions, it was really hard to to heal yourself. And that can be really inconvenient. Like sometimes, you know, you would desperately need to heal yourself in a particular moment and you would hit the button and think it had worked and it hadn't worked. and uh, Or
0: you would yeah, think <laughs> you
1: needed to throw a grenade and you would throw a grenade, but it wouldn't actually come out of your hand. And we're like, eh, I'd really like to make this better. So uh, So Peter went through... All of these weird cases and he, and he found you know found ways basically to to let the, the character uh, do things that they couldn't do before do combinations of things that they couldn't do before uh, some of that involved um, you know taking animations like the pickup animation and replacing it with just a simple instead of do, having it be a full body animation where you get down and pick an item up off the ground it's just an upper body animation that can happen at the same time that you're running around and dodging um, and so by, in, by integrating it that way, picking up items is much smoother than it used to be and similarly you know throwing grenades, uh, using consumables is much smoother than it used to be, and it can in- and it can happen at the same time as a lot of other actions that couldn't have couldn't coincide with before. So I-, I would love it for players to to get out there and like try to use consumables in, in the heat of battle, and and hopefully the idea is that, uh, that this should be a lot less frustrating than it was be- before we made the change.
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen that come into play a little bit, and the biggest one for me is when my character's out of stamina. I try to use something that was the biggest for stamina issues.
1: Uh, I, yeah, I, I can see that being a problem. We've also the last thing on the gameplay list was uh, when you're out of stamina and you're dodging around. Uh, we were, you know, it's supposed to be difficult to dodge, and 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 uh, when you run out of stamina, you're supposed to feel like you know it is harder to move my character. It's harder to engage in combat, but the dodge itself, while you're retired, was was kind of past the point of frustration for a lot of people, where it did, where it felt like it was sort of a uh, they. they like they were trapped. They were just slowly dying and they couldn't do anything about it because dodging was, was slow. And, uh, at the end of the dodge in particular, you felt like you should be able to recover more quickly and move on to another action and you couldn't. Um, and so because we, the players were getting frustrated with that, we, uh, we decided to, to make the dodges quicker to, to close up a little bit that, that period at the end of the dodge where you couldn't do anything else. Uh, so now it, it's, it is a little easier to survive when you're out of stamina. Um, it doesn't it, it doesn't remove all of the challenge. We didn't want to nerf it too bad, but we did want to, to remove that, that edge of frustration that made p- people feel like their subsequent death wasn't their fault, it was just the game screwing them over. That's not the feeling we want people to have. We want people, when they die, we want them to feel like they could have done something about it.
0: Absolutely, and I, I love those changes, you know, because that's definitely going to help um, with players getting around a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But that's it for our gameplay changes, and now we have a couple of inventory changes, starting with some cleaning your quests.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's right. So uh, people had been looking at, uh, had been reporting to us that when they are playing with friends, and they want to, say, share some painkillers with their friends, there's this really inconvenient thing where you couldn't just share one painkiller. Like, if you've got an advanced character with a lot of room in their pockets, you might have to drop an entire stack of six painkillers, and then have your friend pick up the six painkillers, and then use one of them, and then give the rest back to you, which is really inconvenient. And so we've added a drop one functionality where you can actually, I think it's holding the interact button. Uh, You can, you can drop an item. And, uh, and and just a single item from a stack, and then your friend can only pick up one instead of having to pick up all six. Yeah,
0: and that's honestly awesome too, because you know, if you're playing with friends that you don't know as well, sometimes is a little bit like hesitant, like, "Oh man, I, I, I can drop you this to heal you, but I, don't, I hope you don't steal my entire stack of stuff." Like, I hope you <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We want this game to be to be a game about trust, where people feel confident uh, doing things with each other, and so you know, we, we want people to be, feel confident dropping and sharing things with uh, with their multiplayer friends.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Speaking of, of 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 trusting players, uh, we also we found out that there were some players who were modding weapons uh, in such a way that they were they were increasing uh, the durability of the weapons. Uh, but they were also increasing the amount of parts that were yielded when you broke the weapon down, and the problem with that is if you, you know, if somebody doesn't know they've been given a modded weapon, they would take it, put it in their supply locker, salvage it if they weren't that interested in it, and then they would end up with thousands upon thousands of parts just filling up their supply locker, and it would be incredibly inconvenient. There's nothing they could do about it, uh, and so uh, we've gone in, and we're not going to talk about exactly what we did because uh, we don't want to make it too easy to overcome, but we made it harder for that to happen, so hopefully there should be fewer uh, players having the experience of receiving a modded weapon that they don't know is modded, breaking it down, and then having a useless supply locker that's going be jammed with parts. I used to call it a glitter bomb, because it would just explode things all over your yeah. supply locker, and then you couldn't could, could ever get rid of it.
0: No, I I've heard that happen to other people, too, and it's really unfortunate too um i will say you know this is me speaking this isn't like you know jeffrey you all saying this but um i will say for me you know if anyone needs anything just come talk to me or you know uh we'll find somebody in the community to get you what you need but you know you don't really need modern weapons i mean you can get by without them (laughs) trust me
1: yeah i mean i I think yeah it's always interesting because because you know we we try to make a game that is that is you know balanced and has, you know, weapons that feel appropriate, that, that cost the right amount for what they're able to offer you. And so we try to make a game that doesn't feel like it needs to have modded weapons to be fun, that modded weapons would actually make it less fun. Uh, but, the, but you know, everybody's got sort of their different style of play, and there's some people for whom, you know, they want to have uh, overpowered stuff, stuff that wouldn't be appropriate in a balanced game. So, you know, if people have the desire to do that, to add that to their own games, I I don't have a problem with it. It's when they start playing practical jokes on other people that we feel like, well, we should try to step in and make that a little harder to do.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that, too, because, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, like you said, they don't know they were dropped a mod a weapon. They just put it in their locker. Like, oh, what's this? Okay, well, I'll throw it in my locker. Like. Yeah, and then they that's... kind of break it down after. It's like, whoa, what happened? What did I do? So, so it, it's nice that that's a little bit fixed now.
1: So the last two things on the inventory list were basically, you, you remember the the last update that we did,
0: we expanded
1: uh, a lot of the options that you had in inventory screens. There were a lot of things that, you know, you could do something in your trunk, but you couldn't do it in a supply drop or something like that. There was lots of just sort of mismatched things, a- actions you expected to be able to do that you couldn't do. Um, and so there were a couple of little, when we did that big push to expand your options in the inventory screen, we left off a couple of things by accident. And so we just added those those things in here to this patch. So now you can unload weapons when you find them in the supply drop. So if you just want the weapon and not the bullets, or just the bullets and not the weapon, you've got that option. Uh, and also, um, it used to say when you were in a trader's inventory, it would offer you the option to unload their weapons, uh, which would be rude and actually didn't work, but, uh, the option was listed there like you could do it, and so we've removed that. So it's no longer claiming you can just walk into, uh, a trader's inventory and just take all the bullets out of their guns, because that's just, that's just a strange thing. To do. Mm-hmm.
0: That is kind of funny though. I, I actually didn't use that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you couldn't do it, but the game claimed that right, right. you could, which was, you know, we don't want the game to lie to you, so.
0: I can just picture this trader. They're like, "Hey, why you unload my weapons? What the heck?" I just
1: want—I see the bullets. Don't need the gun. You keep the guns. I'm just gonna. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna see you later. Leave it with all your bullets.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I, I appreciate both of those shades for sure. Um, I, I didn't really encounter those that much because they're kind of like you know a little bit uh weirder cases of things, but
1: yeah, it's mostly uh. See, that's the thing. If you're doing just only the most normal basic stuff in the game, or if you're just very aware of the workarounds, a lot of the stuff didn't feel like it was a problem, but it kind of, you know, it, it's the kind of thing that sort of sticks in our craw. Like, like when we're right. looking at the things you can and can't do, we're like, it doesn't make any sense that you can't do this. And so we tried to shore up as many of those as we can. We want the game to feel complete and well thought through.
0: Absolutely. But then we had some character changes, and you know, yes. this first one is one that um, a lot of people are very happy about, I think. So
1: I am so happy to not have to hear about this one anymore Uh, (laughs) because every time we did a stream, players would ask me, when are we going to get characters in military uniforms again? uh because uh for those who don't know the history when the game first came out there was one particular uh mission with an enclave that featured a lot of characters with a military background and they dressed like military characters or at least they tried to the problem was the only characters and mil- the only character models and military uniforms that we had were the four military characters for the tutorial that's all we had and so we would you know players would start the game through the tutorial they would get that one military character that they get in the tutorial and then the other three models would be available for future uh use uh and so when we would spawn that enclave a few of them would get the, the the correct character models with those military uniforms but because the variety was so small a lot of them would have errors would end up with would end up with um random character models which wouldn't even match their characters uh in any in any important way so it was a bug it made our characters less realistic and and so we remove the military outfits from them. We just changed the way those characters worked so that they would just look like uh, they were wearing civilian clothes, which is fine. You know, ex-military people can wear civilian clothes. So it seemed realistic to us. It seemed fine. And it removed that bug where the characters would show up at the random models. The problem is there was a a, a very, uh, a small but vocal group in our, in our audience for whom those military characters were their favorite characters. And it specifically, it was about the fact that they had a military background and they represented the military that made uh, these players feel like the, the playing as these characters was important to them. They wanted to be able to have that enclave, to recruit those characters, and to have um, their own community be full of people with military backgrounds uh, who, who didn't just have the traits, but who also looked the, par- looked the part. Uh, and so uh, the problem is... It takes a lot of, you know, it takes some time for uh, to to build all these different character models that are all wearing military outfits. And uh, you know, and we were using those resources. Those those people were spending their time doing other very important things, things like uh the the blood plague freaks. Uh, you know, that takes the same resources that it takes to add military uniforms. And uh and the plague walls and a lot of uh, you know, anything fleshy in the game basically is made by the same people. And so uh it was after heartland was over that I was able to actually coordinate and make it happen so that we, we spent the time, we built out all of these new character models that had these military outfits on. And then we were able to restore them to that original enclave, but because players have been waiting for so long to get these characters back, uh, we also added them as a possibility for random enclaves and uh, and added a radio option that lets you if you really want to have an enclave of military folks that you can recruit from that you can become friends with and recruit from, uh, there is an option on your radio menu now where you can go and 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 recruit a mil- not recruit them directly, but make a military enclave spawn on your map so that you can go and, and work on recruiting them.
0: Which is really awesome, and I will uh, ask you a question on this. It does say for a limited time that option is going to be available. So, do you know when that's going to go away? That um, radio option.
1: Well, uh, yeah. The thing is, because it's it's a very specific thing aimed at a very specific subset of our audience, uh, and most of our game is not actually about uh, you know military characters. They're they're sort of a sidelight. They're sort of they're one of of many different uh, sort of backgrounds and, and histories that are represented in the game. Uh, you know, eventually we were hoping that, you know, that new players, when they come into the game, it, the game's the game isn't supposed to be you know uh sort of a military fantasy it's a survival fantasy with a wide variety of characters of different backgrounds and so having an extremely military focused uh recruitment option on on the radio menu it, it feels a little bit um sort of off-center uh you know when it comes to our uh sort of the themes of the game like it feels like well if there's a military one why isn't there also one with police backgrounds and one with scientific backgrounds and one right. with you know, teaching backgrounds and political backgrounds and business backgrounds like you know, our game isn't only about one thing; it's about a lot of different things. And so, uh, so I wanted to put that that option in there for the players who've been waiting for a really long time for these characters to show up, so that they can sort of make up for lost time and get them. But at some point in the future, and I don't I don't know how long it's going to be; it's not going to be like the very next update or anything. But at some point in the future, we'll probably sort of rein it back in and and, and kind of go back to normal with uh, with sort of a wider variety of characters being randomly available and not necessarily focusing so much on uh, on the military background. We want the game to be diverse and appeal, uh, you know, in sort of a, a, a very diverse way and not be so focused on one or two or three different kinds of, of characters.
0: And that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds kind of like something that um, is going to be akin to the Revolutionary War Zombies, where they were in, at, you know, the uh, 4th of July last year, and then they mm-hmm. kind of got weeded out after that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it, we're kind of thinking a little bit like that. Or like the Wizard Van, but we'll, we'll talk about that later.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, I'm definitely glad these guys are in there, though.
1: And then the the next community request, this is also one that we got a lot of feedback on, was uh, a while back, uh, because the red talent contractors were so powerful and and we were seeing so many players uh, that were just basically completely filling up their community with red talent contractors uh, from Daybreak to the point where it seemed like we had created um, an inappropriate dominant strategy in the game, where basically people felt like the only good way to play the game was to recruit only red talent contractors. And it was leading to a lot of grinding and to a lot of people just sort of... um, the, The game kind of becoming a little bit more monotonous than we wanted it to be. Uh, And so we thought, okay, we should break that up. We should make it so that recruiting a red talent contractor isn't obviously the only best way to play the game. Uh, And so we went back so we went in and we kind of nerfed them. We 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 gave them some downsides. uh, It made it so that, you know, red talent contractors were not perfect zombie survivors. Each of them had some sort of flaw that made it so that, you know, it still felt reasonable to to pair them to not just have a community entirely of red talent contractors, but to pair them with civilians who had you know a, a normal set of, of backgrounds and traits. But there was one particular negative that we gave them that players reacted really poorly to, which was uh, making them irritable. So they, they were more likely to get into fights than other people. And uh, for some players, it was just some players just are really annoyed at any irritable character and don't want any of them in their community and will we'll, we'll immediately exile anyone who does. And so having an entire class of characters always show up with that trait was just annoying to, to, to that group of, of, of players. Then there were some other players for whom, you know, uh, they really wanted at least some of the Red talent Contractors. Uh, to, to feel like professionals, to feel like people who, you know, even if they're upset, they're not going to start fights, they're going to be disciplined. And having every red tail contract to be the type of person who starts fights, uh, it, it felt uh, it sort of culturally inappropriate for them. They felt, you know, people with a military background and stuff, yeah, you get the occasional person who's a jerk, but most people, you know, with that background are just normal people, and you shouldn't expect them to be more irritable or, or fight more often than anybody else. And so with both of those concerns in mind, we went in and uh, we removed that trait from the telling contractors across the board. So they're not irritable anymore. And on top of that, while we were in there, we also toned down some of the other negatives that they had that were associated with their traits. Uh, so ones that have combat medic, pioneer, squad cook, demolitionist, and facilities engineer, they also have a slightly lessened um, on negatives associated with them.
0: And just for clarification purposes, too, mm-hmm. the ones we had already had in our communities that were real, uh, does it go away from those as well? It yes. Like so it's not okay, just cool. new
1: ones that you recruit. Uh, we basically uh, we went into the traits themselves and changed what the traits did. So you've got a awesome. character who's got those traits. The traits are now changed, and so now the character's different.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a huge plus, and you know, it was something that was kind of annoying at times, and... I know one comment I made to you at one point was that, um, especially if you have like all red talent community, they really shouldn't be irritable because they're all you know around their same people. So. Yeah,
1: they get along with each other, right? And, and and thing is, if it had been possible for me to say that you know they only get annoyed at civilians and they love getting along with each other, I, I might have actually gone with something like that. But that's way more complicated. It was right. much more straightforward to just take it away and just say, you know what, makes these sense. guys are professionals; <laughs> they're fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But definitely a plus that uh, that's changed now.
1: Yeah. So uh, the next thing on the list is uh, I noticed while I was messing with uh, – that there was this one bug that we had that we'll, we'll, that is listed further down where uh, certain um, Heartland-specific uh, specializations weren't gaining any experience. Uh, like if you had butcher or something, butchery or gymnastics or obsession, uh, they would just stay at their starting level and they would never gain experience. Uh, while I was in there fixing that bug, uh, I noticed that uh, we had a method of gaining experience that we weren't using which was uh, explosions. When you kill zombies with explosions, it was possible to gain experience from that, and we weren't using it anywhere. And so I was like, uh, since I'm in here, why don't we just have that improve the munitions and chemistry skills? And so that's, that's what it is. So now if, you, if you're blowing zombies up with explosives and you've got the chemistry or munitions or outlaw chemistry or bomb-making skills, uh, those, will, uh, those will gain experience. And it's, it's a subtle effect. There's already other ways to gain that experience, so it doesn't change the game a huge amount, but it just seemed like it made sense, so went for it.
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean I don't think I've seen Outlaw Chemistry yet, but maybe I'm forgetting the time that I saw it but
1: That's Brock's uh specialization in heart.
0: Ah, uh, okay. That that's what it is then. Okay. And
1: bomb making similarly that's Keisha's.
0: I was going to say, I'm like, I don't like chemistry. I don't remember that as much, but I didn't play (laughs) with Brock as often, so.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that's, that's where that came from. And then the last thing in the character section is, uh, survivors with the last name Castiano, uh, no longer show up with a blank nickname. And this is just, this is just a consequence of our tools, uh, and how I made a mistake with them. Uh, where basically I can click on a name. And I can click on a little plus button that creates a nickname for that name, and it starts with a with a chance of uh, of 100, uh, with a weight of 100, and it starts out blank. And then I enter a nickname, and then from then on, characters who have that name could also have that nickname, and it worked just fine. Uh, except when I accidentally hit the plus button and don't enter a nickname and don't change the weight, then what happens is, especially with a last name, uh, which already have very low weights themselves, uh, so then what happens is you get this very high weight blank nickname. Uh, that, that can infest your character so we actually i I knew at least one there's at least one player who was actually collecting castellanos because uh each character they had with the last name castellano would have a blank nickname so they had a bunch of nameless characters uh hanging out in their community and that was funny uh and actually this this fix doesn't change their community once a character's got a nickname they've got a nickname uh and so i didn't fix their their community but new characters with castellano won't show up with a blank nickname anymore So there's a little window into how I can can ruin things.
0: And that's cool for them, too, that they have, like, that option to, you know, keep those (laughs) blatant characters if they want them. Yeah, if people are into them, that's cool, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it for that section. Uh, Next, we have some mission changes, uh, starting with Builder Elder Broom.
1: Yeah. So all of these changes, uh, these and most of the Heartland changes too were done by, uh, were done by Leah, who is, I think, one of our, one of people's favorite guests that we ever have on the stream. So she, she did a great job. She does, she solves a lot of little detailed changes. And the reason I'm telling you they're hers is because I don't understand a lot of them, uh, and the details of what was going on. So I might be bad at explaining <laughs> okay. them because they weren't my fixes. Um, gotcha. So Builder, uh, Elbow Room, which is one of the legacy missions, uh, is now better at finding applicable bases and has safeguards against getting stuck when it fails. So I think that one, it, it requires you to uh, to go and find a new base. And if the mission doesn't find a base, uh, there used to be an error that could actually hold you up, hold up your progress. But now there isn't one. And so you, can, you should be able to reliably get through that mission much more easily. Um, Warlord, Weapons for All. Now allows you to spare the last enclave member without getting stuck. So uh, you have this, you know, this option in that mission to spare somebody's life if you want to be merciful. But it used to have a problem that would end up, you know, getting the mission stuck. And so now that shouldn't happen anymore. Uh, we fixed a bug that sometimes prevented warlord personal dead zone from completing. So I don't know what that bug was, but it's fixed now. Uh, and then the builder legacy missions now automatically pinned to the HUD. So that was we set a standard across all the legacy missions that when they pop up they automatically pop up in your HUD so that you know, oh, this is an important mission that I should pay attention to. This isn't just something that should fall to the background and be ignored. Uh, but, but we did it with four, with three of the legacy uh, arcs, and we didn't do it with the last one. Uh, and so now Builder has got it, too. So it's just bringing Builder in line with all the rest.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely glad that's stuff fixed, because I know uh, Warlord in particular has had a lot of uh, issues for a while that could cause like the entire legacy to be uncompletable. so... Um, I've kind of avoided Lord Lord, Lord, Legacies for a little while, so hopefully that um, fixes those up. Yeah,
1: hopefully, and then, and if there are any that still remain, we definitely still want people to go to support.stateoftheunion.com and let us know the circumstances under which they ran into a problem, because uh, you know we've said this many times, but you know it it bears repeating that we're we're planning to continue supporting this game for quite a while in the future, and so we're going to have lots of opportunities to fix problems that are holding players up. And when we hear about problems like this, it's a big priority for us to try to get them done. So definitely, if you're having any trouble with the game report it to us at support.stateofdecay.com. Uh Joe Swarner is the one who manages that whole uh portal and uh he's he's really good at his job and he could be very passionate at uh you know when you guys tell him that you've got a problem he's very passionate at coming to us and 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 getting us to prioritize fixing it. So uh keep that in mind.
0: Absolutely. But that is it for our mission changes. Next, we uh, you mentioned some of these a little bit already. Uh, but we have Heartland changes. So yeah, the so, first so, one I think you mentioned in full already, but
1: yeah. So the the top one on the list is the fact that you know the the, the new specializations uh, for core skills that we created for Heartland weren't gaining XP and now they are. So that's uh butchery, field testing, gymnastics, obsession, scavenging, and vigilance. They should. Those are all fixed. Uh, and then we also fixed some voodoo that was causing Reba, Diana, and Chavez to reset their timelines when they died. Uh, so you would be, you know, you'd play with, you you would recruit Reba, you'd play with her for a while, you'd get her killed, you'd get like, I don't know, ripped in half by a juggernaut or something. And then the next thing you'd hear was Reba coming over the radio, starting over from scratch, uh, which seems a little bit strange. Uh, and so that was just a little scripting error. So we went in there and, and, and made that impossible. So now, if they rise from the dead, the only way they can rise from the dead is as zombies and not as weird mission bugs Makes uh and sense. then beyond beyond that so a bunch of these 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 are more ones that uh that, that, that leah fixed that, are, that i don't know everything about but uh we fixed a blocking issue in the first mission of heartland uh if quincy or release died and then the game was restarted so when the game is restarted you know we don't actually save our missions midstream uh very often there's a few very complicated ways that we can do that if there's a particularly long mission, but most of the time we don't save it at all. And so coming back into the game and trying to reset up the circumstances that you were in before uh, can be a big challenge with our system. And so this was one case where uh, the game wasn't getting set up properly if you quit and came back. And so uh, we've we've resolved that now, but uh, a lot of that stuff can, can be very challenging with, with the way that our system works. Um the next one on the list, uh, Aunt Fee and Helena should no longer run to you from Jurassic Junction if Wilkerson family ties or Seeking Santos missions start while you're away. So, you know, there's a couple of missions that they could. We didn't know quite where you were when they start. They could start under a lot of different circumstances, and uh, there was a period of time where we assumed that you were close to Aunt Fee or Helena, and that they could just run up to you when that mission began. Uh, but that doesn't actually uh that's not always true, and so we had cases where they were just running all the way across the map to you uh because the mission started in a weird place, and so that doesn't happen anymore and also Aunt Fee should no longer teleport away at the beginning of the missions called um, a real fixer upper uh moving on uh the scenes in Wilkerson family ties should now still play even when Aunt fee is dead that's another thing that we uh problem that we face is that, you know a lot of our missions um, randomly generated missions are designed to basically Um, they check the game to see if all the pieces they need, if all the places, all the people, if everything is available. And if they're available, then that mission begins. And if they're not available, the mission's like, whatever, I'm just a random mission. I don't care. And it doesn't begin. And you never knew that it even tried. Uh, But in Heartland, every mission is critically important. And so uh, one of the challenges we have is, uh, you know, for instance, if a a critical character for a mission or for a part of a mission is dead, if we don't it like intentionally think about, okay, what if this character dies? How will the mission play out if they're dead? If we don't think that through very specifically, then usually by default the mission will say, Oh, I couldn't find that character I needed. Oh well, no mission. And or or sometimes just a particular part of a mission just won't happen. Uh because it couldn't find what it needed. And so uh the there have been, you know, throughout development of Heartland, there were lots of problems like that, and we fixed the vast majority of them. Uh, this seems like, I don't know it personally, but this seems like it was probably uh, one of the sort of remaining examples we didn't find before we shipped.
0: Yeah, because I definitely noticed that um, a lot of situations where uh, the starting characters you have, Quincy, Larice, Amphie, and Helena, mm-hmm. if one of those characters was dead, then it would cause issues with some of your mission spawning, so...
1: Yeah, and we, we tried to sort of capture all of those situations, you know, realize that they could happen and come up with, with alternate plans. But one of, one, of, um, uh, one of my jobs on Heartland was to make, uh, not to make, uh, but to maintain some of the missions that happen that kick in if you lose your core characters and they're still in the middle of their initial um, personal stories. Uh, coming up with, you know, making sure that the missions that kick in after that failure uh, still work and, uh, and it can sort of fill in those blanks. But it's very hard. I mean, there's so many different combinations of things that can happen in State of Decay. Thinking of every possible combination of actions and events is really, really hard. And we do our best and we, we try Absolutely. to, you know, methodically go through and say, well, if this happens, then we need this. If this happens, then we need this. But it's so easy for for one set of circumstances to slip through without a solution and for us not to catch it until after release.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, the amount of people playing the game after it's out, you know, there's so, so many much situations higher. that could occur that you, know, you never thought it possible. So
1: yeah, th- that's the thing. Like when you've got a game that's played by millions of people, something that happens 0.001% of the time will definitely happen to multiple people. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, to, to actually a fairly large number of people. And so even something that's extremely unlikely and very hard to think of is going to happen to tons of folks. And so it, it, it takes a lot of methodical, persistent, Testing to try to catch them all, and even then, um, it's it's really hard to catch every single thing. But we do our Absolutely. best, you know. When we find out about this stuff, we do our best to fix it after the fact. So, you know, eventually, we hope for most of these things to be pretty much gone uh, after we've had some time to to, to hear people's uh, you know reports and bugs and, and go through and, and track them down and fix them.
0: Yeah, and uh, I definitely appreciate you guys, you know, being so diligent on that. So, thank you for that.
1: So there's a few more in this section. Uh, Malik no longer jumps in and speaks Larissa's lines in uh, Wilkerson Family Ties. Not sure why that was happening, but uh, not surprised. Uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, some something to do with character deaths. We made sure that Brock and Keisha were killable when they should be killable in the Santos and Wilkerson Enclave arcs. Uh, it's Because we have to manually turn characters' immortality on and off. When a character's critical and they can't be killed or it's going to cause a lot of mission chaos, we'll make them immortal for a while. But we want to turn that immortality off and still have them be at risk in certain uh, portions of the game, especially after you've recruited them um and but sometimes it's easy to to sort of miss one of those spots, so we fixed one with Brock and Keisha. We also fixed a place where Malik could be recruited while he was still immortal as an n p c uh which would give you an immortal character you could run around and play
0: with, which oh, wow. was you
1: know not what the game is supposed to be about
0: <laughs> i didn't know about uh, that bug that's crazy <laughs>
1: yeah i i i don't i don't know where it was, and so uh i'm you know i wouldn't tell you anyway uh but but it 's fixed now, so I guess it doesn't matter <laughs> awesome. um. We fixed an issue where the overrun mission uh, would still make you clear out the plague card if you canceled it. So if you decided not to do the mission, but it would still move on and, and act like you had accepted it. So that shouldn't happen anymore. Uh, and then the last thing was, uh, Xander, uh, you know, who's kind of a, he's kind of a a bit player in the game, but his enclave should now have appropriate enclave descriptions on the map screen. So if you find out where he lives and you look at it on the map, uh, it'll now have, uh, the right descriptions. And I think, I think he just had the, either had the wrong ones before or they were missing. I'm not actually super familiar with that bug.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, so I'm glad a lot of those are fixed. I mean, a lot of those I didn't run into because, um, they seem like, you know, a that if you're not looking for it, you might not see it as often. So Yeah,
1: a lot of them are very, very situational. It's like if a certain series of events happen, then they happen. But uh, but there there right. were enough players playing Heartland that people were definitely running into them. So glad we haven't got them fixed, too.
0: No, that's great, though. And, you know, we have another section here. We have yeah. achievements. Um, so we fixed some achievements, apparently.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 not that hard for an achievement to accident, accidentally get broken while you're fixing normal things in the game uh, because you know, achievements depend on certain events firing off under certain circumstances uh, while you're playing. And if we change the way that a feature works, it's easy to miss the fact that it was firing off an achievement trigger. And uh, and if we miss that and we don't test it the right way, uh, you know, at the right time under the right circumstances, it's easy to let situations uh, get get out where something that looked like it should have fired it off an achievement didn't. Um And so we had uh, the achievements associated with our legacies uh, were broken for, for a short while, and so we fixed those. So that's Be Still My Dog of War, I Am the Law, Speedy Delivery, and If You Build It, They Will Come. So those are fixed now. Um, the Plague Heart achievements, uh, achievements associated with killing Plague Hearts, those weren't firing off the way that they were supposed to. So that's Heart of Darkness, Total Eclipse, What We Do in the Shadows, and These Dreams. Those weren't firing off. Um, And then we had two more that were sort of uh, not really related to each other. One of them was barley and spoiled blueberries, which is the one that fires off. I think it's for killing bloaters. And then uh, sayonara, which is for getting one of your own people killed. Uh, That one was not firing off. So all 10 of those achievements should now be fixed. And uh, we're really sorry for folks who actually did, especially um, some of those achievements that were more difficult and time consuming to accomplish. We're really sorry for folks who did not get credit for the achievements. Um, And uh, you know, we're, they're fixed now <laughs> we hope that it's better for you and uh yeah sorry that we that we let those slip through
0: awesome yeah i'm glad they're fixed you know um i didn't have any issues with those ones the only achievement you know to be honest i've ever had issues with i think you heard of me say on the podcast before but um, that was the echo uh gun achievement
1: <laughs> oh yeah because it's yeah that, that one's a pretty rough one um but yeah we've um i, I remember actually uh one of that my more difficult experiences as a player was when I was playing Far Cry Two. I was I loved that game. It was one of my favorite games of all time, uh, and I was striving to get the achievement for getting every single diamond on the map. But there was some kind of error at some point along the line. A diamond didn't get counted, and I got the last diamond. I and I went through. I had a, str- a strategy guide, and I was comparing every single map to every to the strategy guide. I knew I had gotten every single diamond in the game, and I didn't get credit for the achievement. And I was so frustrated. I didn't actually finish Far Cry 2. And so when people are frustrated by missing achievement, uh, progress, like, believe me, I completely understand where you're coming from. I've been in that, like, I didn't even finish one of my favorite games because I was so frustrated about an achievement I'd spent time on. Um, and so, you know, so I understand. So I'm really very sorry if somebody didn't get it, uh, didn't get credit for an achievement that they earned because you did deserve those gamer points. And, Definitely. uh, yeah. And so we're sorry, but we have, we have fixed these now. And, uh, and we're gonna, you know, keep, you know, trying to be diligent to make sure we don't break anymore in the future.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, uh, those achievements should be all set for you now. And you know, if you need any help with those, uh, just give me a holler, and I'll, I'll be happy to help anyone out there too. So.
1: And then we've got our last section, which is miscellaneous. Everyone's favorite section uh so (laughs) so the first one is uh we mentioned this a little bit earlier uh eight months after delivering the holiday 2018 celebratory wizard van uh we realized we should probably remove it uh because it's not the holiday season anymore and it's kind of silly to have a holiday celebration sitting there in your radio menu so uh we've removed it that does definitely not mean that it's never going to come back we'll probably find some other way to deliver it in the future i mean we've got the bounty broker now right maybe that's what we'll do i don't know but uh but yeah, it's not it, there anymore. So I'll look definitely say to it uh,
0: full disclosure, once once I heard this is coming, I'm like, all right, let me go to all three of my saves and make sure I call it in before this update happens. So I call <laughs> all three saves in <laughs> <and> before it <laughs> happened.
1: Cool. So yeah, I definitely I, I we love that wizard man so much. I doubt we'll leave it off the list forever, but uh we'll, we'll see what we figure out. Uh, at the same time, so if you die of blood plague while exiting a vehicle, you will now stand up and die instead of soft locking the game. So basically, something was not completing properly with that death if you did it, w- if you died while you were leaving your car. And so the game would just never go anywhere and not let you control anything. And so that, that was a problem. So we fixed that. Um, we fixed an issue with AI pathing that was causing mission characters to dodge around you repeatedly while trying to stand where you were. So if you were standing in a certain spot and because of a mission, A character had decided that they needed to stand where you were. They would come up to you and just start dodging through you a million times, trying to get (laughs) to the spot that you were standing on, and it made them look ridiculous. Uh, And so now uh, they're a little clever. When they realize they can't get to a spot, they'll pick another nearby spot, and they, you know, this kind of behavior should should, you shouldn't encounter it quite as often. Um, We fixed uh, an issue where clients in multiplayer games would hear muffled audio forever after they died. Uh, that one we'd heard about a few times, and that one was that one was pretty annoying because you know when you're playing in multiplayer with a friend, you 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 want to be able to consistently play for a long period of time. You know you've taken the evening off, you're all going to have fun together, and then you die, and now you're stuck in this mode where you just can't hear any normal audio anymore, and so people would have to quit and come back in order to fix it, um, and so now we fix that bug. That shouldn't be happening anymore. And then we fixed a few graphical issues with shadowing. There were some halo-like artifacts around characters that are gone now. And then we fixed a bunch of minor issues with lighting and world geometry. You know, our our um, our artists and tech artists are, are always sort of uh, looking through the game to find places where they can refine it and fix minor problems. And so we don't usually list those all out in detail because even telling you where like uh, a seam in in the geometry was uh, would be impossible. And so we just—it's one big omnibus category. Uh, you know, we fixed a bunch of art
0: and there you go right i do know that some of that art though was um part of the easter eggs because i know that um undead mark and uh brant both have said that like some of the graffiti for example in heartland that you wouldn't be able to see as well for like some of the um easter eggs from the community it was hard to see those and they actually yeah. went back and uh, relayed those apparently so
1: cool yeah, yeah that was probably part of that i think that sounds <laughs> that's i i love how much effort those guys. So, uh, how, uh, how much effort they put into uh, trying to honor members of the, of the community that uh, you know that they've uh, got you know relationships with that they've heard a lot from and heard a lot about. Uh, they do they do a good job of, of honoring those folks because you know there's there's a great sense of gratitude over here because this this you know studio it started as a very small indie studio uh, trying something that was really kind of off the wall punching above above its weights class and this is long before I ever got here like right? you know, this studio did some pretty amazing stuff. But the only, the main reason it's amazing is because people got on board and people wanted to play it. You know, it, it, it actually, you know, you can have an idea for a crazy interesting game, but if nobody else wants to play it and nobody puts, you know, nobody pays any money for it and nobody gets into it, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you made something cool, but in the end, you gotta close up shop and go make something else. But because people got on board and played this game and got into it and sort of understood the same, uh, the same fantasy that we had in our heads, uh, when we we're making Standing PK and Standing PK 2, um, that's what makes it possible for this, this studio to keep growing and for us to keep building this franchise bigger and better. And so, uh, you know, so whenever, you know, Brandt and Mark and, and, and other folks around here are, are putting Easter eggs into the game, uh, you know, it's, it's done with this great set of respect, this great feeling of respect and gratitude for people that they're honoring because we, we would not have, we love this job that we have, building State of Decay too, and we would not have it uh, if it weren't for all the people who were getting into the game and buying it or playing it on Game Pass. Every way that people play this game um, is, is, is good for us and it helps us and it makes it possible for us to keep doing it. So, So we're really thankful.
0: Yeah, I definitely appreciate all the effort that yourself and everyone else in Undead Labs, you know, puts into this game because, you know, we, I know as a community, you know, we really love um all the effort that it really shows because, I mean, everything the community wants, you guys always, you know, put effort into that stuff. Like, you know, just the military outfits, for example, that was, you know, one of the big community requests and you guys made it happen. So, I mean, uh, basically anything they're requests, you know, usually it comes up on Undead Labs radar, which is really appreciated.
1: Yeah, we're doing our best, and uh, the thing is, like, you know, we've got a limited amount of resources here. You know, we still, we're still, we still, compared to a lot of the other teams out there that are building open-world games, we're still a very small team, and, uh, and so we can only do a few things at a time, and uh, we know that there's a lot of desire out there for for a huge variety of different expansions and improvements and fixes to the game, and, and so we're we're trying to pick out the ones that feel like they make the most sense at any given time with the people that we have, with the opportunities that we have. Uh, but you know, the, 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 best thing about this is uh, one of the best things about having been acquired by Microsoft being a game pass game now is that, you know, a lot of, uh, it, it sort of, it makes us, makes it so that we are able to continue to support this game for a much longer period of time. Like if, you know, if this game was just sort of, if it was something that you bought once and then never put any money into again, we would have to keep coming up with you know, new DLCs to sell you, uh, or, or we would have to abandon the game to build something else that we can sell because, you know. Making money is a prerequisite for us to be building the game, um, but right. because we're a Game Pass game and it, it's a subscription service, and really, you know, you know, continuing to support this game and continuing to keep our audience engaged and, and having you guys play the game, you know, day after day, that actually, you know, that that is just as good as as making something new. And so that gives us the opportunity to keep supporting this game for a much longer period of time than uh, than we could normally. And so, so we're really grateful that you know that Microsoft acquired us and they, that they sort of uh, that they've. Approved this uh, this this strategy that we have to just keep supporting this game and keep keep serving our audience so that we can because uh, we love this game you know we want to keep making it uh, and so it's you know it, it kind of serves a selfish motive of ours to keep wanting to improve and expand this this experience but I think it, you know it, this is sort of the best of both worlds for us you know for you guys out there you know you can you can keep getting you know updates over time. We can keep being more and more proud of the thing that we've built, and uh, you know, together. I'm hoping that you know, by the time we've spent, you know, a few years at this, uh, you know, we're all going to be really, really, really happy with the outcome.
0: Well, I can say personally, I'm already happy with the outcome. So, you know, in a few years, <laughs> I'll probably be even more happy. So, <laughs> so. so yeah, I, I so, definitely appreciate everything that's been uh, out so far.
1: Oh yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. So we don't know. We don't know exactly uh, what the future what the future holds and how you know how long uh, we're we're going to be spending this. But for us, you know. Really, what we're looking to do is, is spend as long as possible, making this game as good as we possibly can.
0: And I can't wait for what you guys come out with, you know, because um, I'm sure there's some great stuff down the pipeline, and uh, I can't wait to see what it is.
1: Yeah, we got a, we got a few things that, that will take a little bit of time, but uh, there's there's a lot of ideas here for, for ways that we can make this game better, and, and we're looking forward to seeing what you think of it when it's done.
0: And you know, I'll say again, too, that that new bounty update that we have here... Um, I think the sky is the limit on possibilities for that, because now that we actually have bounties in the game, I think there's so much that you guys can do with that. So I'm really excited to see what comes of that.
1: Yeah, I could I, I feel the same potential, too. So, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're excited, because I'm excited.
0: But, you know, thank you for being here. Um, I'll finish up my closing, and you can kind of get out of here if you want. But um if people want to contact you, how can they do so?
1: Uh, so I'm at Rangatang on Twitter. That's R-A-N-G-U-T-A-N-G. Um, and so you can, you can contact me personally that way. Uh, you can also, uh, get involved in the Undead Labs, uh, Discord. Uh, I sometimes, I, I lurk in there a lot. Sometimes I'll, I'll participate, especially if you at me. Uh, if you at me too much, then I start having to ignore it. But,
0: uh, <laughs> but yeah, so th-
1: those are the best places to find me, probably. I also have, like, my, my own, um, Twitch and YouTube channels, which are Dear Rangatang. Stick a D-E at the beginning of them. Um I stream fairly regularly on my lunch break. Basically, you know, I've got kind of a kind of a busy life of, you know, uh lots of children and a busy job and so I don't get to play as many games as I like to, so I usually spend my lunch break streaming to
0: Awesome, and you know, I really appreciate you being here and I'll put uh your Twitter and everything in the show notes. So people can uh, find you if they want to find you there. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it and you know, I-, I can't wait to have you back in the future. But everyone, um that was Jeffrey, so I'm really glad he joined us on this podcast and Definitely appreciate him coming on here to talk to these passionates with us. I'll just remind you real quick, some of our news from the top of the show. Our next podcast is going to be next Saturday. We're probably going to talk about the uh, Bounty Broker update in full on that podcast, because by then I will have had time to play through all the bounties, test them out, kind of get my opinions on them, uh, kind of get my opinions on the different weapons, and things like that. So that should be a fun podcast to do. And um, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to have a guest for that, but maybe I'll have a guest for that one. And our next stream is going to be Sunday, uh, 12 to 4 Eastern. We're going to do the Tiny Tina DLC in Borderlands 2. Uh We're at least going to start that DLC. I've heard it's a really long DLC, so we might not have time to finish it, but we'll at least start it. And then on Monday, it's going to be Fallout 3 from 12 to 4. Uh Or at least technically, it's not uh, official yet, but as of right now, that is winning the vote. Because uh Community votes on that game for that day. And so far, Fallout 3 is winning, so we're probably going to play some Fallout 3. On Tuesday is going to be some State of Decay 2, where we're playing the bounty update, uh, from 12 to 4 as well. And then Thursday night, uh, August 8th, that is going to be when we do the rest of the Teen- Tiny Tina DLC. So Tiny Tina DLC should be finished on, uh, that Thursday. So Thursday, August 8th. And I will announce too, just to make sure everyone's, uh, prepared, from August 11th to August 19th, I am going to be taking a break from any content. So for that period of time, I'm not going to have any streaming or any podcast come out. I'll be doing that as a content break that way I can kind of uh, recoup and get ready for uh, what's going to be, uh, you know, hitting the ground hard because once Borderlands 3 comes out, we're going to be hitting Borderlands 3 pretty hard along with our State of Decay 2 content. So I want to take, make sure I have a nice break in there before that happens. So, um, Thursday's August 8th stream at night, that will be our last stream before we come back on August 20th, so basically uh, we'll have no streams for 12 days after the August 8th stream, and as far as episodes go, we're not going to have an episode on Saturday the 17th, but I uh, will be able to have an episode for you on August 24th but I appreciate everyone uh, listening here, and if you are enjoying this content and the streaming content we do, I would uh, recommend you check out our Patreon that's going to be patreon.com slash blaze experience that's b-l-a-i-s-e-x-p-e-r-i-e-n-c and basically on patreon it's a way to help support content creators with the content they're making so for as little as one dollar a month you can help support me with the content i'm creating and you get some rewards for that there's uh, special discord rewards there's rewards like uh, having priority to play with me on stream different things like that so definitely check that out that's patreon.com slash blaze experience if you want to find me on stream, that's going to be Mixer.com slash BlazeExperience. So, BlazeExperience is built the same exact way, just Mixer.com. If you want to get a hold of me via email, that's experience at gmail.com. And if you want to get a hold of me on YouTube and Facebook, I am on there as well, but I don't use this as often. I will also have my Discord in the show notes, so you can definitely hit me up on Discord. And my Twitter and gamer tag is the same. It's going to be at BlazeExperience. So, that's capital D-L-A-I-S-E capital X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C. That'll be my Twitter and humor tag. But I really appreciate everyone being here. If you aren't already um, listening to the podcast on your optimal way of listening to it, there are some other apps you can use. You can use Stitcher, you can use Spotify, you can use iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, basically any version of a podcast app except for iHeartRadio. So uh, just search for The Blaze Experience in whatever app you're using, and you should be able to find us on there. But I definitely appreciate everyone being here. Uh, thank you again to Jeffrey for being here as well. And I can't wait for the next episode. So thank you, everyone, for listening to The Blaze Experience. <laughs>